This is the Krillcast. I am Chris. And I'm Will. I'm Scarion. And I'm Wisefish. Mr. Zero Zero. Uh oh. We're freeze framing. Mm-hmm. That's installation zero zero below me. How about you guys that tell everybody about your channels? Um, I'm Scarion and I make uh, timeline and lore videos. I'm most well known for covering Fable, but I'm moving on to Dragon Age soon. That'll be fun. Ooh, looking forward to that. How about Mr. Yeah, Wisefish? Uh, I'm Wisefish and I make reviews as well as uh, new lore videos on Fallout, Metro, Bioshock, Apex, and some other games I'm planning. Um, and yeah, I do live streams as well that I keep forgetting to mention. So yeah, that's me. <laughs> And then we have Installation Zero Zero. What's your channel all about? Uh, mainly Halo. I'm most well known for my most detailed breakdowns. Breakdowns, level detail, everything. He's a robot confirmed. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Yeah. He turned into the guilty spark finally. Um, <laughs> so sorry about that, guys. Installation Zero Zero has got a great channel for Halo. If you guys like Halo lore, definitely go check them out. Um, worth your time by by far and his narration is like one of the best in the halo community so there's that so as always uh this is our what will it's a manic monday oh i'm trying to whisper in your head <laughs> can't take it seriously <laughs> oh no manic okay. monday there we go okay so uh <laughs> we're gonna be talking about uh the ubisoft rumors the uh, new xbox update and the Microsoft 2020 Xbox stuff. So before we get into that, that was the uh, preview. If anybody was wondering, what? Uh, well, actually, no, we already did the intros, didn't we? So yeah. we're going to be talking about yeah, Ubisoft true. rumor first. So the <laughs> Ubisoft rumor is that there is potentially coming to Game Pass Ubisoft games, the Ubisoft subscription service, which I can't actually remember the name of because I've never had it. But you pass, you pass, you okay, yeah, you play. That's right, you play could be potentially coming to Game Pass in the similar form, uh, fashion to what EA Play did. Or EA, was it Origin, EA Play? I don't remember. Whatever it is. EA Play. Yeah. yeah. So we could be getting a bunch of Ubisoft games. How do you guys feel about that? Excited. Microsoft's killing it. Yeah. It, it's yeah, it's great. Come Why like not? dedicated over to the Xbox. Yeah. That'd be pretty yeah. sweet. Microsoft well, is going to buy PC, the industry. <laughs> I mean, realistically, like Microsoft are making a lot of effort to to get a lot of the big brands sort of folded into, you know, um, into that sort of franchise, and then with their push again, it makes a lot of sense. Then the past both Xbox and PC makes sense that all of these mm-hmm. new games are going to be available for um, PC as well as Xbox. Yeah, I I actually heard someone talking about like what Microsoft's big game is with uh, Game Pass, and they're saying like they're gonna essentially either buy or make deals with all of the major publishers to have all their games. Stop covering up, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, they're gonna be able to get it onto onto PlayStation then, because PlayStation's gonna have to accept like all of the games are in Game Pass and people want to play it, so um, they might be able to get Game Pass onto more systems that way. I've got an alternative view, Will, to that. I think actually what's happening is you're seeing a consolidation of genres to specific platforms. For example, Final Fantasy 16 is only coming to PlayStation right out the initial gate. So what you're seeing is a lot of these Japanese 
um, companies and a lot of these Japanese JRPG style games are coming to Nintendo and Sony, but not Microsoft. And then you've got, for example, the Bethesda situation, EA, EA, and now Ubisoft potentially going. You could have all of the Western style games coming to the Xbox, mm-hmm. mostly exclusively, or at least exclusively to the Game Pass service, not on PS Now. And instead, on on the Japanese side, you would see a lot of the Japanese developers like Sega. Maybe Sega starts putting more stuff on PlayStation, which they already kind of are. And you got like Square Enix putting stuff on PlayStation first. It, you could end up with a with a divided. Um, platform exclusivity like um, Nintendo. Uh, Nintendo's got their first party RPs, right? But then they've got other stuff. And then a lot of Japanese studios going to the PlayStation first or exclusively to the PlayStation. And then a lot of Western stuff mm-hmm. going to Microsoft, in which case you got to choose your pillar of the gaming community. Do you want to be into JRPGs on the PlayStation? Do you want to be onto Western games on the Xbox and shooters? It could just go on all three, obviously. But or are you a Nintendo guy and you get the Switch? You know, I, I think that's what we're seeing right now. It's the division of. Genres. I think Microsoft is going to buy Sony, but <laughs> yeah, at this rate, they might as well just buy everyone have a monopoly. So. Yes, I just feel like as long as know, everyone, the Microsoft will ultimately be bought by Disney, won't they? <laughs> <laughs> yes, might get a good Star Wars game finally. <laughs> well, um, we'll see. <laughs> so yeah, that, that, that's a rumor though. That could be Ubisoft coming to Game Pass, which would be neat. I think personally, That'd be really cool. That would be. But we will be discussing more about the Game Pass effect, Game Pass, Game Pass effect on Friday. So preview for that. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that we're going to talk about really quickly is that the new Xbox update for all Xbox One to Xbox Series X consoles adds the compatibility with the Xbox headset, removes the live TV. Mister Don Matrix's last uh, long lasting yeah, legacy there, um, from the one guy. It also adds a toggle for auto HDR. An FPS boost per the game is backwards compatible cool. program. Yeah, it's really cool, actually. And on top of all that, apparently it adds a new web browser that can run Stadia within the browser, which That's is a uh, update yeah. in preparation for xCloud. Uh, all three people would be really happy for that. <laughs> we got another freeze frame for Mr. Zero Zero here. Um, <laughs> might have to. What we might have to do is have you pause your video. Because I'm running on the we'll just I don't know what you said, Installation, sorry. Yeah, Installation 00, uh, today he's on his mobile phone, so we're just going to uh, roll with it. We'll see how it goes. And, uh, yeah. Okay. So, back onto that update. What do you guys think about this update to Xbox? I don't know. They just keep winning, like I keep saying. Like, um... They keep adding new features. The FPS boost is awesome. I didn't understand what it was at first. I thought they meant first-person shooter boost, but it's literally just some magic that they make it to boost the frame rate in these backwards compatible games. And it's free. It's just, I don't know. They, they just clearly, they, there's a new culture there at Xbox where they actually care about the fans again, and yeah. it is really nice to see. Yeah, I was playing Morrowind uh, the other day on it, and uh, <laughs> it was weird just playing it so smooth because i remember playing mm-hmm. it back in the original xbox days and it was so like jumpy and stuff like that but it was it was so weird playing this really old game with such a smooth frame rate it was like i was playing on pc really um it was really nice to play that game have, again have you just had a chance to play with the um the x cloud yet no i haven't no i played it when no. it was in the beta but now i've got an iphone i can't play it mm-hmm. oh. okay. so. is there a lot of delay on it? 
No, it was completely good. Yeah, I'm I'm quite impressed. I've I've got I've got like a, a a jig and everything for it. Obviously, it comes compatible with the um the Xbox Series X controller, and um yeah, I'm I'm, I'm stunned by how low. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be to be entirely honest here, the thing that was really surprising about the update was when they put the wireless headset in. I think it was in either. Uh, Italy or Spain, and they had the um, update for VR headset on that came up. It was just like a translation issue. And everybody's like, oh, Microsoft's bringing out the VR. <laughs> nope, <laughs> not happening. But that would have been surprised cool. they haven't uh, mm-hmm. announced one yet, though. I think, well, maybe in the maybe in the future they will, but mm-hmm. um, maybe one more VR games come out. But I think they should get all all the accessories for Xbox. I think that'd be fantastic. Right. I'd love right. to see an Xbox VR. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, PlayStation's got a new one coming out, so why not uh, Xbox? Exactly. Well, how long has Microsoft been working with the um, HoloLens? It's been a long time, oh, right? Like a yeah. decade almost? Yeah. I don't what know. Let's see them with that yet. HoloLens. Was that... Was that Microsoft? I thought it was Google. No, no, they did Google Glass. Totally different. Oh, oh HoloLens yeah. too. Oh, what? One. Where'd the first one go? When did they start the HoloLens two? Oh. Hmm. I'm curious yeah, now because the Connect they released a new Connect that thirty five hundred dollars. Holy crap! Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you're an industrial uh, uh, business, like say, I don't know, Amazon would never do it, but a company like Amazon could use something like this to help their employees find stuff easier, you know? Oh, yeah, but what company is going to pay three, three thousand five hundred per employee? That's madness. Microsoft? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> the ones testing it. Here's your Hololens. Have a nice day. <laughs> yeah, Let's see here. You can actually physically be in the office without being in the office while you wear a HoloLens at your desk at your house. <laughs> Much that would be weird. <laughs> yeah, probably. Will I think Will's frozen. Oh. It's not Too a good down. day for internet, is it? <laughs> Too damn free to go. Let's <laughs> see what happens here. <laughs> I think we lost him. <laughs> yeah. That person's uh, broken through his front door and uh, taken his internet. Yeah, probably. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, guys, let's keep going here. Um, rest in peace, Will. Uh, <laughs> we'll find out what happened to him in a little bit. So the last thing is, how do you guys feel about the Microsoft acquisition about Bethesda? And, and now that we know for a fact that the uh, Bethesda's gonna, there's going to be some exclusivity with Bethesda and um, Microsoft, how does that make you guys feel about the industry as a whole, given the acquisition? Okay, um, so I've never been one of those people that is into the console wars thing. But within my friend's group, it's always been one of those, oh, we've got The Last of Us, you don't have that. And it hurts. But now that <laughs> um, Xbox has got um, Bethesda, um, if we could potentially get The Elder Scrolls Six as an exclusive, that would be something nice to throw back, or Starfield. Um and again, if um, Bethesda, uh, Xbox have taken over it, then they must have more money to fund it, and I'm hoping we get better games from it. 100%. That would be nice. Um, I do um, hope that, given that, we do get better games from Bethesda and Microsoft as a whole. Okay, so 
we were talking about Microsoft Bethesda Skyrim had a really nice little um, conversation with himself because nobody else was talking at the time about exclusivity, console wars, et cetera, et cetera. And essentially what you're saying, if I'm, I'm summarizing correctly, was that you've never been into the console wars, but you think it's great that Bethesda has been acquired and could potentially produce better games under the Microsoft, um, the big money Microsoft, right? Absolutely. And with that, Bethesda are well known for the fact that their games are buggy. But now they're going to be held accountable by Microsoft. So I feel like that should be a benefit. Although I'd like them to put some bugs in anyway. Just, you know, the one with uh, the Giants in Skyrim where they smack the player, they fling into the air. Right. Stuff like that. The best bug. The best (laughs) bug. Bethesda bug? Is that what I heard? Bethesda bug, yeah. Well, that's what we're going to call it now. Yeah, <laughs> the Fez bug. That's funny. Um, <laughs> given that they have had kind of a pretty successful run with these acquisitions, nobody's really fighting Microsoft saying that you shouldn't be doing these acquisitions, at least not mainstream. What other potential acquisitions do you guys see on the table for Microsoft? Sega. Is that why Fish said Sega? Yeah, yeah, Sega, I think. They've dropped so many rumors, or like like little hints that they're going to pick up Sega. I just feel like it will be one day. So I've spoken to, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Adam Korlick, but um, he's kind of intermingled with Sega quite a bit, but he is a content creator on YouTube. He's been on our channel quite a bit, helps Sega out with a lot of their anniversary celebrations. So he's pretty close with Sega. And I've talked to him about that at length, uh, kind of in the background. And essentially what what, what it comes down to is, I do believe a sale or acquisition of Sega would require the permission of the Japanese government. And it's very oh. unlikely that Sega oh, would, would get the permission to be sold to Microsoft. Ja- Japan is very close one. to the heart with their companies. And the likelihood Japan would be would allow one of them to part with um, the Japanese economy is very low. I'm surprised to hear that. Well, that's... So, yeah, basically, I think all acquisitions of that type would have to go through um, government regulation in Japan. Mm. So I think EA or a company like that would be more likely, or Ubisoft. I can't see them buying EA. I just can't see EA giving up their... I I feel like they're too big of a company for (laughs) Xbox or Microsoft to buy them. Um. I mean, if Bethesda's getting seven point five billion, EA's going to want more than that. Yeah, same as like, well, no, Activision are Sony based anyway. So, uh, but I just can't see uh, Microsoft having more than seven point five billion for EA. Um, I think EA are just happy with having their subscription service as part of the mm-hmm. Xbox Pass. Um, but I, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm massively distracted by Will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's a freeze frame. I don't think he's coming back. Says computer's totally shot. So he'll oh. said you guys are all awesome. He texted me and uh, said, "Hey, I, I just have to hop off for now because I can't get my computer to come back." So it's unlikely he'll be back today until uh, he gets a new computer or he gets that fixed. So we'll see. Um, and uh, yeah, so that that that's that. Um, so it'll be just the four of us for the rest of the podcast. But Will said, thank you for coming on. And he's really enjoyed this. So bye, Will. Sorry, Will. You can be with us in spirit in the bottom corner over here. 
<laughs> Anyways, uh, what were you going to say, Mr. Zero Zero? My apologies. No, I just, I just say uh, I'm massively distracted by Will like being sat in the center of the screen, staring like passively <laughs> at, at what's what's going on. He's <laughs> judging us, right? Um, <laughs> so I think EA makes sense if Microsoft can pony up the money for it. They're an American-based company. Um, it'd be easy to acquire because they are an American-based company, unlike Sega. Um, now, if they were to acquire like the American branch of Sega and somehow work that out, maybe I, I don't know. Um, I would love to see some of the Sega franchises come to Xbox. I mean, we saw Yakuza come to Xbox, which was really cool. And all of them are basically on Game Pass at this point, which is also very cool. Uh, But I just don't see it happening based on what I've already said, which is essentially that it would require too much uh, government uh, (laughs) cooperation from Japan. And I don't think it's going to happen. So EA makes sense. There's some difficult trading laws and things like that in regards to um, Japan. I know China's sort of locked up quite tight like that as well. Um, So, yeah, acquiring Sega, while it would be good, um, I think it's relatively unlikely. Um, EA would be cool, but I think they're just maybe a bit too big. Um. And aside from that, I mean, what other what other sort of smaller studios are there that, that that would be applicable to sort of what Microsoft are driving at at the moment? They could reacquire Bungie. <laughs> uh, Bungie has stated they're not doing that because they're becoming their own publisher. I know, I know. I, just I can't imagine. Joke. Imagine if they did though, it would be like, oh, okay, she's gone back. Oh yeah, then. full circle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll just start there again. Um, Go to EA or something. I mean, Activision's there, but I sincerely doubt Activision is nah, on the table. Their PlayStation locks and like every Call of Duty's got a PlayStation thing locked to it. Um, I'd be shocked if Activision Blizzard went to Xbox. Honestly, they could buy maybe divisions of EA. Maybe they could pick up Bioware and all of Bioware's franchises. Oh, I wish someone would. <laughs> That's that like that company. Grand scheme of things, Microsoft is an extreme company and money talks and if there's enough money fronted up i suppose any anybody could potentially be played true yeah absolutely i just can't imagine more money from microsoft like 7.5 billion for bethesda i feel like that's their big purchase i can't see another one that would just be insane i can imagine playstation doing a big one to follow up from this konami probably Oh yeah. But then in the same breath, they they wouldn't have dropped seven seven point five billion if they didn't think they could turn a profit. True. Exactly. When that and that was something I was going to say. That's my one worry about this Bethesda acquisition because Zenimax, uh, you got Elder Scrolls Online. That's a very money hungry game, I find. And then you got the mobile games as well. They're very money hungry. Mm. My wor- one worry for Microsoft is uh, we haven't really seen many of their exclusive games that haven't had like microtransactions. I mean, Forza Horizon Gears 5 was awful in terms of microtransactions. My one worry is that Bethesda will continue on with like the Fallout 76 microtransactions and stuff. Um, that's the only worry I've got is that it's a lot of money. They've got to make that back. And Bethesda's got IPs that have got microtransactions in them that they can continue pumping out. Um, but we'll have to see, I guess. Well, just imagine when uh, the Elder Scrolls Six is announced or comes out, 
there's a whole new generation since the last one was released. So just mm. imagine the profit they're going to make from people buying Morrowind, um, Oblivion, Skyrim all over again. Um, yeah. If you don't already have it, uh, people want to like people get invested. Uh, there'll be merch. Uh, they can make so much money from Elder Scrolls Six just on the backlog of the previous Elder Scrolls games. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. I do also see that um, if, if Microsoft were to acquire too many studios, then you'll have too much internal competition for, um, I mean, for example, let's say um, a game launches on Game Pass and it launches against another game on Game Pass. You're going to be seeing internal competition over which which game on Game Pass is getting more users to play it. And then Microsoft will have to weigh their options. Which of these games is the is the, is the app for Game Pass that's going to continue to bring people to Game Pass, right? So that's the yeah. topic we're going to be talking about more on Friday. But um, I think Game Pass and internal competition, uh, if you have too many studios under one belt, could be a problem. Well, I yeah. think the benefit of uh, Microsoft owning all of these studios is they can choose when the games are released now. Instead of the, them being independent studios when they set their own dates, Microsoft can be strategic on when they do release these games. That could kind of benefit them. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah they're not fighting as each other for don't... a release date. As long as they don't do an EA where they release Titanfall and then Battlefield straight after, and it just completely ruined the whole Titanfall game, um, <laughs> then yeah, that's fine. There was some strategy behind that, though. I heard I heard some rumors that EA launched those two games side by side so that it would tank uh, the the publisher of of Titanfall low enough for them to purchase and acquire that studio. Oh. It wouldn't surprise me, to be honest. Um, but they they didn't. <laughs> I don't think they. I think they're still sort of partially owned. I can't remember their agreement, but yeah, fair enough. It was definitely a tactic. Do you think Microsoft would buy Square Enix? Uh, I know they worked together on Tomb Raider, but with Final Fantasy never really being a mainstream game on the Xbox, I don't know. Especially with Sony ponying up the money for Final Fantasy 16 to be a Sony exclusive, I just I can't see it. I mean, maybe they would buy. Crystal Dynamics or um, what is it? Ido Ido Studios or Idos, whatever you want to call it. The, te- the team yeah. that mm. made Tomb Raider. I could see that being an acquisition for Microsoft. But Square Enix as a whole, the the closest thing we've gotten to a new Square Enix game on Xbox is Octopath Travelers coming to Xbox and PC, which I am looking forward to. And it's coming to that before the PlayStation, believe it or not. So that's cool. But I I just don't see it. I don't I don't think that. Microsoft would benefit enough from Square Enix as a whole. I think the thing is that Square Enix won't just look at the money there. They'll be like, well, Microsoft, you haven't proven yourself in the Asian markets. Right. And Square Enix is huge over there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And Microsoft really, I mean, they cancelled the one game that was showing big popularity over in the Asian community. I can't remember what it's called. It's like the big dragon. Soulbound. Or Scalebound. Yeah, yeah Scalebound. That was like really hyped over there, and then they cancelled it. It's like, oh, well. Um, so I just imagine Square Enix will just stick to Sony, honestly, no matter how much money Microsoft offer them. They know they've got the market. Kind of a similar reason for Sega, too, though. Like, Sega games do better on the Xbox as a con- Xbox console um, than other Japanese studios' games do. But overall, yeah, Microsoft isn't really known as a as a JRPG or a um, Japanese market console. So, like most Japanese and Asian devs work on other consoles first, with Microsoft kind of being the background for them. Yeah, yeah, 
basically. So I guess the last thing I, I, I was going to say, an acquisition I would have loved to have seen, and you guys can all jump in with an acquisition you would have liked to have seen in the past. I wish they would have picked up Telltale, because imagine the kind of Halo Telltale game we could have seen if Microsoft owned Telltale and could have shaped that. Telltale was a really interesting one. I really loved the Walking Dead game, but the problem was they just kept churning them out. It was like one after the other, and it was like, oh, God. Like you had a Borderlands one, and then you had a Walking Dead season four or whatever it was. And then there was just so many that after a while it just lost its charm. But it, yeah, it's, it's a shame they just went under. Yeah, yeah, it's that it's that classic like um, quality quantity argument, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like under Microsoft, they could have they could have under Microsoft continued to produce quality games at a slower rate. Um, but I I think the best games they produced were the Walking Dead games. Tales from the Borderlands was epic. That was a great Telltale game. And then I really liked what they were doing with Wolf Among Us, but they yeah, never absolutely. released the second one. <laughs> Yeah, I know, and everyone was asking for it, and then they went under, and it was like, oh, great, thanks for that. Exactly. Um, it is a shame they went under, but again, it was just mismanagement, really. 100%. Is there a, is there a dev that you wish they would have rescued and or acquired over the years that they haven't? The Dead Space team need. <laughs> yeah. I feel so bad for them. EA just chucked them under the bus. Is that Visceral? Visceral, yeah, that's it. The Google Stadia plucked up the CEO from them, and then they just dissolved that. And now the head of Visceral is working with Sony on a new IP. That's a brand new thing. Oh, yeah. Know. That looks pretty good, actually. Yeah. So, Sorry. How about, how about Saber Interactive? Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. They did the Halo 2 anniversary, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah they, had, they played a part in it, yeah. And then underneath them, they actually just acquired... um, What's that? Uh... Asper, Asper Media. Asper Media does mm. um, the KOTOR ports for Steam and mobile phones and the, and the uh, Podracer port for the Switch. A lot of Star Wars ports and Star Wars remasters have been done through Asper Media. Saber owns them now. So that would be a really cool purchase because they could help them do things with the KOTOR games, I think. That'd be cool. Yeah. I think the one thing I'll say, though, and that's sort of like my final point on it, is that I, I love that they're well i mean i'm sort of on the fence about them buying stuff i think it's cool that they're buying stuff but um at the same time i want to see these things in action like for example senua's sacrifice they bought that ages ago and i i, I still don't know where the second game's coming <laughs> um cuphead that got bought it's still not on game pass and i have no idea where the anything's going on with that ip I just want to see stuff now. Like I'm gr- happy that they're buying stuff, but I want to see the games that are coming out of it. Really, oh, for the Maybe record, it's just yeah. me being impatient. Microsoft doesn't own Cuphead, for the record. Um, they heavily uh, invested in the Cuphead development, and they helped make that game happen. But there's a reason why Cuphead was allowed to go to the Switch and also allowed to go to PlayStation, and it's because Studio MDHR is still independent to Microsoft, as far as I understand it. Oh, I thought they got bought out. No, I don't. I don't believe so. Um, they were heavily funded by Microsoft, but I don't think Microsoft owns them. So I, I could oh, be wrong, please. but I don't believe yeah. that they're owned by Microsoft. Um, but still, I just feel like it's it's one game that was so popular, and it's just been sort of left. And maybe that's the studio. 
Um, they're just a slow very very slow process when they make their games and that's by design because all of their stuff is hand-drawn animation so that takes a very long time oh yeah of course course. so i don't know if the expansion they announced was out though i don't think so yet it's been delayed several times i believe Mm. well anyway with the original game was delayed a bunch but i still mean like they've bought all these things i just want to see games now right i want to see these purchases actually produce something so senua's sacrifice 2 would be the first that i'd want to see like we got the trailers but i want to see it in action really yeah anything else you guys want to say about the bethesda acquisition and all that uh no i'm, I'm looking I'm, forward I'm, to some more doom yeah, <laughs> more doom sure six doom guy and halo um halo multiplayer mm-hmm. i'd love to see that but um yeah mm-hmm. all i've got as always i'm chris nice. I'm Will. <laughs> I'm Scarion. I'm Wes Fish. And that's Installation 00. And uh, we will see you on the next Krillcast. Bye, guys. This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. I'm Scarion. And I'm Wisefish. And today is Tuesday. I don't know why I did that, but, you know, just get hyped. Get hyped, guys. Um, (laughs) Who do we have here to help me review Mandalore Gaming? We've got the ever-present Will, and then we've also got Mr. Skyrion. What's your channel all about? Hello. I make videos about um, the lore inside video games, and I do some timelines, too. Uh, It's a fun time. Absolutely. Mr. Wisefish, what do you do? Uh, well, I used to make reviews and sometimes still do, but I've ventured into the lore realms. And uh, so I make lore on Metro, Apex, Titanfall, Fallout, and Bioshock, and some other games that I'm coming up to soon. And uh, yeah, have good fun doing it. And I'd really love to see a collaboration of Skyrion and Wisefish cover Bioshock. That'd be fun. But we have been talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Since you guys have kind of a. Uh, the same same ideas but different different ways of going about it. It'd be cool to see you guys work together on a video about Bioshock. So we've um, already come up with a concept for uh, something in the future. It's just finding time, which is a pain at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's Absolutely. the biggest problem. All right. So today guys, we're gonna be talking about Mandalore gaming. Hold on, let me get my script here because I cannot speak without a script. I've learned this because if I don't have the script up, I literally fall apart sometimes. So here we go. <laughs> so Mandalore Gaming, 570,000 subscribers at the I'm time of the video. Low. I thought he was a lot higher, actually. Yeah, he's got a really big channel, but you don't have to be subscribed to him to find his videos. His stuff trends occasionally, mm-hmm. so that's that's a nice thing about having a channel that's kind of origins be uh, 10 years old at this point. So mm-hmm. his channel was created on December 4th, 2011. He has 88 million and a half or 88 and a half million views on his videos. At the time of making this video, remember, we're recording on like Saturday, so this is coming out Tuesday. It's like four days later. He's probably got 90 million by the time we uh, you know, show this video off. But hey, here we go. So you can find him by going to YouTube.com. And it's not Joseph Anderson channel. I don't know why I have that in there. It's YouTube.com slash Mandalore Gaming. <laughs> I love his description. <laughs> and his description says King of Limbo. Which 
I don't, if you guys have watched his videos, that's actually a reference to the video um, Lost. Is, is it uh, Limbo of the Lost or Lost in Limbo? I don't remember which way the name is. I just watched this video the other day, too. That's the best part. But it's got the most ridiculous thumbnail. Limbo of the Lost. Look at this thumbnail. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That's the one. <laughs> so he's the king of Limbo. And if you've ever played the game, you know, or if you've seen a playthrough of the game, you know the ending of this game has to do with why he wrote that and it's ridiculous i maybe we'll cover it later and if i do i'll say spoilers and give you like a five second pause before i talk about it but anyways he is known for lots and lots of gaming reviews great gaming commentary in between reviews and uh being one of the greatest review channels on youtube especially since he's got almost half a million over half a million subscribers so what was his first or oldest video let's see here I forgot about this. This is great. It was shortly after he created his channel. This video is over a decade, almost, no, almost a decade old. Let me put it that way. Almost a decade old. This is so old. I know. (laughs) Anyway, so this is Commander Shepard. The music video is the first video on YouTube. And it's still there a decade (laughs) later. Okay. Uh, What do you guys, I don't know if you guys want to say anything about this video. I don't have much to say other than it's funny and you should watch it. Uh, I'm not surprised he's got so many subscribers from this video. It's it's, uh, (laughs) incredible. Really artistic. Yeah, pretty great. Well, um, I've never heard of him, but I do like a good review channel, so I'll definitely be checking him out. And I like his thumbnails as well. His thumbnails are really good, and it's clear exactly what he's doing. So his most popular video is Total War War Warhammer 2 Review. I can't believe it's not the Limbo one. Limbo (laughs) (laughs) It's almost there. (laughs) Which... I'll be honest, I had never heard of this game before he posted it up there, and we'll talk about that in a minute, because that is one of one of the greatest review videos I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. 45 minutes of greatness. Anyways, so his most popular video is Warhammer 2 review from 10 months ago, which is good, because that means that his videos are still popular in the recent year. You want your top most popular videos to not be from, like, you know, six, seven years ago, right? You want them to be mm-hmm. recent videos, so that's good. His channel's still relevant. Um, even in 2020 and 2021 so that's good and then his quality has never gone down so uh what are some things that you guys like i know skyrion already said he likes the thumbnails but i'll let somebody else talk because i'm hogging the mic right now so <laughs> go ahead mr wisefish yeah. you want to jump in there um, first well i always like a good world out well laid out review and uh it doesn't hold back because most of the reviews are like 30 minutes plus. Um, well, the ones I've watched are anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's really detailed with what he talks about, um, brings in like footage from the game to extend his points and stuff like that. And actually, I didn't know about Mandalore Gaming when you sent this to me that we were going to cover him. Uh, and then I went onto the channel and realized I've actually watched like four of the videos anyway. So <laughs> I'd actually, you know, paid attention to the videos um yeah i just think they're really well laid out really well narrated structured um he's up there with like skid up in my opinion for game mm-hmm. reviews and stuff yeah I'd agree and with it's that. nice to see sort of classic games as well ones that i've mm-hmm. never really played um just to see yeah, that super games. popular ones or ones that are trending right now yeah definitely like the warhammer universe i've never ventured into myself i've never played any of them i collected like the little figurines but that's about as far as i go with it so it was nice to hear someone's view on the game and stuff and i mm-hmm. really enjoyed it, so. 
he's one of those like evergreen channels where like if you've seen one of his more popular videos then you're like amped up when you see something posted that you've never heard of before like, yeah like this game i never heard of this game before but as soon as he posted it i was like this is gonna be good <laughs> especially with the thumbnail yeah you're yes. like oh what the heck all right, yeah, we'll go I ahead. Think the FIFA reviews are good as well. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't have much to add to that other than the fact I just I like the variety of games that he's reviewing, and a lot of times games like I've I've never heard of them. I like don't necessarily plan on playing them, but it's just interesting to hear him talk about it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and I just like its content. I think it's overall really well structured, and I like his narration. And yeah, I think it's just good stuff. I really love how when he goes into these games that even games I've never heard of, he will take the time to go and find some history on them. Specifically mm-hmm. this game, he went back and found a copy from the nineties, a demo in a magazine and tried to compare it to see if the stolen background in this game was always stolen or if they had their own version at one point in time. It turns out that like each of the chapters of this game, there are back the backgrounds the backdrops are stolen from other games like there's an entire game like section of this game where all the backgrounds are from oblivion there's another section of this game where all the backgrounds are from like um i think it was like a man might have been a warhammer so i don't remember you have to watch his video i highly recommend it but he like delves into each of the backgrounds and where they were stolen from and then even delves into the fact that the the company was shut down because of (laughs) the lawsuits from this game (laughs) but yeah it's 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 pretty epic this this whole review limbo of the lost like i I would never play this game but i would watch this video multiple times because there's so much good stuff in here that's that's the thing for me is that i i'm more drawn to reviews of games that i will never play in my life like uh <laughs> angry joe's uh, something retribution of hell or something like that the uh, right, 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 right hell retribution yeah that's the one yes yeah. so, um i will never play that game in my life but i always go back to that video to watch it just because it's so funny to watch him get so angry over it and it's the same with some of the things he does like this ultimate uh, unfortunate spaceman review like that's a game i probably will never pick up in my life but i will watch that video because it looks funny (laughs) so yeah so the reason i I will say spoilers guys if you want to play limbo the lost don't listen for about 10 seconds here (laughs) The reason he says he's the king of limbo is because when you complete this game, out of left field, the end of this game is a musical where they sing <laughs> they sing that song with a piano and like all, all the demons are singing. So like they got the voice actors to sing this song called the king of limbo. And you would never in a million years expect that to be the ending of this game. But the joke <laughs> is that's the most original part of this whole game is the fact that they sung this weird shanty at the end called the king of limbo. <laughs> And there's like all these horse demons, like saying, "He's a king of limbo." So Monty Python, so great. It is. It is really epic and hilarious. And there was one comment on the video somebody posted of the ending to this game. He goes, "I did all of the point and click adventure with all the glitches and all the freezing and the blue screen of death on my computer just to get this weird shanty of a song at the end of this game." <laughs> it's worth it though to get to the end (laughs) i would love to see steam achievements for this but this game will never appear on steam because of all the plagiarism oh yeah definitely yeah so what are some things we think mandalore could improve upon on his channel i I don't know i mean he's got five hundred seventy thousand subscribers (laughs) he's doing better than i i think i'd like to see Um, some collabs like him and race could do some pretty cool stuff yeah that'd be cool 
I, I think they've got a similar style, like you were saying about doing the research behind the plagiarism claims and stuff like that. That's something that I really like in Reykjavik's uh, videos, mm-hmm. is that he does like the post-production, uh, pre-production stuff. And I feel like if those two work together, they could do a lot of research on the background of games. I think that could really work. Absolutely. So that's like my only suggestion is let's see some collabs. Um, even if they were a two-parter video, like Reykjavik did his own thing, and then Mandalore did his own thing, and they said, okay, here's the hour and a half version if you watch both episodes together. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, um, the only thing I'd say is... Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say, there's nothing negative I can say about the channel. No, um, nothing to improve upon it. It looks like a good channel. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. It's more of a suggestion than it is an actual criticism. <laughs> That's what I had. <laughs> like, I would love to see the combination of mm-hmm. Reykjavik doing stuff together. Well, what about... Do you have anything to go along with that? No, not really, because, like... Like, his thumbnails are on point. I like his content. I like... Uh, I mean, I always want more. So you, can, you can say, like, you know, release more videos. But, I mean, at some point, that's just not possible. Uh, I will say the... Maybe his banner could actually have some kind of description of what he does slash his channel description. So if you're just a new person, you don't necessarily know what he does. And you don't necessarily... His icon, you wouldn't necessarily know, is gaming-related, but he is so big now that people just probably see that and know who he is. Right. Yeah. So what are our predictions? End of 2021, how many subscribers will he have? A million. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably. I mean, Mm -hmm. when you you sent this like a week ago, and it was like 550. Yeah, he's already on 570. So, Yeah. yeah, I'd say around about. Maybe 900,000 by the end of the year. Just under yeah. a million. million. I'll be more conservative and say 800,000. I'm going to give you guys a range. I'm going to say if he doesn't have any more King of Limbo popular type of videos, you know, millions of views type of videos, he'll be 750. And if he has another King of Limbo style video where it's like literally millions of people are watching it, then we'll see him at a million for sure. I think it depends on his video output for the year. So we'll see. I mean, he gets out like some between two, three, four, even four videos per month at most. Because if you look at his video output, it's like somewhere between three and four videos a month, it seems like. And sometimes he's got a month where it's one video. So I guess it depends on how many videos he puts out and the um, wide shareability of them. You know, the the mainstream appeal. Like King of Lim- like who would have thought Limbo of the Lost? would be wide appeal as it as wide appeal as it is right i mean it's mm-hmm. such a meme of a game <laughs> well that's it though sometimes you've got to have a meme of a game to make it into the algorithm <laughs> you're doing the same thing everyone else is doing you're never going to get found and that title works the greatest bad game like people are going to click oh on that, yeah so oh definitely anyway that's what i got mandalore gaming if you ever want to jump on a podcast for fun you know reach out to me i'd, lo- I'd love to have you on <laughs> yep let's do it and uh, if anybody else has anything else to say, say it now. No, I'm good. Keep right. doing what you're doing. Well, yeah. as always, I am Chris. And I'm Will. I'm Scarion. And I'm Wisefish. And he's a wise fish with a carrot down there. I don't know if you guys noticed. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you on the next podcast. Bye, guys. This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. I'm Scarion.
and I'm Wisefish. And uh, this is not the Krillcast uh, I have up here. This is actually my second channel that we were just talking about in the background here. But I do an unboxing channel. You can find it at youtube.com slash ambient unboxing. But I'm actually here for the Krillcast. And Skyrion, tell me about your channel. Um, so I'm Skyrion, and I make timeline and lore videos. Um, I'm most known for Fable. Um, and I also do Half-Life, which not not many people know I do. But yeah, Half-Life as well. And I stream on Switch as well. It's, it's a fun time. Yeah, and then we got Mr. Wisefish over here. Yeah, so I started off doing reviews, but I've sort of ventured more into doing lore videos for uh, the Metro series, Apex and Titanfall, Bioshock, Fallout, and some other games that I'm coming to in the near future, as well as uh, streaming weekly on Twitch as well. Yeah, so go, go check those channels out. We also had Installation 00 on for Monday, so uh, go check that out. It was a really interesting video to film because we had people dropping off like that show Unfriended. So there's that. And uh, today we're going to be talking for Wild Card Wednesday, as Will says it, um, the the history, the future, not the history. We've done enough history in this channel, but the future of Xbox 2021 and beyond. So what games we have coming out um, was something we're going to be talking about. But also, um, I'm just going to give you guys a quick little brief background of this video. So Xbox Series X slash s launched against the playstation 5 on november 10th 2020 amid everything else going on in 2020 <laughs> so yeah. definitely going to be talking about that year. and then uh it launched kind of minimally with really no true launch titles in my and that's my opinion but also kind of a fact because there wasn't really anything new on the day it came out it, it has managed really right it has managed to sell out every time stock is available even without the exclusives Based on Game Pass backwards compatibility and a high-powered, high-resolution gaming akin to PC. Um, so with this previous generation of Xbox, the Xbox One line of consoles, considered to be a failure by many industry experts, um, how do we feel about Microsoft's chances against Nintendo and Sony in this current gen in 2021 and beyond? Um, I feel like if they... With the launch, great. The console is great, so... For myself, because I make Fable content, Fable 2 runs so smoothly on the Xbox One uh, Series X, which is what I've got, or whichever one I've got, the newest one, the X Series with a disk drive. Um, And it runs so smoothly, but I haven't played any new games on it. Cyberpunk was a failure, so I'm waiting for the patches to come out, but I don't really get excited about playing my Xbox for new games. I'm just going back to play old ones. Uh, So I don't know. I feel like... Microsoft aren't doing too well in that aspect, whereas uh, uh, Nintendo have Animal Crossing, for example, where they're still constantly updating it, which I've just got, by the way, because it's it's really, really good. Uh, Sony, I don't know a lot about them. I know they're Last of Us too, but I just feel like Microsoft aren't doing too great in terms of posting new games. It's a shame. Yeah, I think for me, it's the first time I've never had a need to buy an Xbox. There is nothing that stands out to me for why i need an xbox i play on pc all the time and every exclusive is coming to pc so i have absolutely no need whatsoever to go out and buy an xbox series x i have a series s so i can have it in the living room just so i can play like rocket league when i'm on downtime or something like that but honestly i barely use it so really i'm just sticking to pc whereas you know sony appeals to me because i've got the new god of war coming out Miles Morales, I really want to play. Uh, just annoyingly, you can't get stuck for either of them. So, yeah, Xbox for me is just, I, I have no need of it this generation. 
But at the yeah. same time, all the hardware is selling out like crazy. So like Xbox on the backbone of their huge catalog is selling this console based on graphical upgrades for all these games and improved performance, basically. Oh, I will say, I mean, it's for anyone that's solely console or can't afford a big PC build because, you know, obviously that is a limitation playing on PC. You need the budget to build and stuff like that. So as a console to play next-gen games, it's a fantastic deal. And then you get the Game Pass and stuff like that, and you can play games on the go, old games really smoothly. It's fantastic. So it's no surprise it's sold out. But I just mean for the larger gaming community, ones that were playing PC and were tempted by the next-gen, the the new Xbox really isn't that appealing to anyone who's a regular gamer, I feel. No, and you kind of hit it pretty well on the head wise fish the fact that games have come to pc as well fable for example uh that's come to pc um i think microsoft would have been smart with the fact in keeping that on the xbox um at least at first to get people to buy the console because mm. all we're doing at the moment is we're playing old games and there's no incentive like there's a bunch of people in the office that i work at and there's no incentive to buy the xbox yet yeah uh, i think that's it there's nothing to play on it except older games which they can play on their older consoles. Would you pay £500 to play a game with the graphics that are a little bit better and run smoother? I don't think it's worth it. And when these new games do drop, will the prices of the Xbox have dropped by then in however long? Uh, there's just no incentive to buy it. I bought it because I'm impulsive. <laughs> and, I just, and that's the only reason I bought it. But... I've not really noticed a difference in my gameplay, except that Fable 2 runs smoother. Uh, but I've not really noticed a difference. So yeah. I will be honest, though. like The Xbox Series X, for somebody that maybe dipped out of Xbox One generation, being able to immediately play all the Xbox One games without having to rebuy the Xbox One and all of its glory <laughs> might be appealing <laughs> yeah. to Xbox fans. And then people who don't want a PC, this is perfect for you to get is this console that'll play four generations of at least the most popular games on each of the platforms previous. You got the Master Chief Collection, um, but at the same time, unless you want to play Xbox and Xbox 360 games on your new console, uh, most every game that's modern is also on PC. So yeah, there's, there's two sides of the same coin there. So if you're really big into the back catalog of the Xbox genre, the Xbox platform, I should say, then this is a great buy. If you're really not into that, you're more into modern games, the PC is the better way to go because you've got more versatility and more utility when it comes to a PC. Yeah. I think the, uh, that's the thing, really, is um, at the moment, the new Xbox appeals to people who play solely on Xbox or people who just want the new console and they want sort of a wider variety of games that are cheaper because obviously you've got the backwards compatibility so you can play all of them and you've got all the new ones that come out that you can get on the subscription service which if you're okay with paying monthly then that's a good thing um but yeah i don't know i just think if you're looking to get people into the next generation it's going to be a lot harder for xbox than it is with sony or nintendo well nintendo are in their own thing anyway but um I feel like Sony's got an easier way of bringing new people in than Xbox, if that makes sense. 100%. So I think the 
appeal right now for the Xbox Series X is it is a next-gen console and there's no stock for it. Can you think of a better situation for Microsoft right now than the current issues with the world to sell out a console that literally has no exclusives on it? <laughs> I mean, I don't it's, know. It's FOMO right now. It's all fear of missing out. Like, what what reason is there for somebody to go out and buy an Xbox Series X Like at, at the quantity it's being sold currently? I mean, it's hype. There's a hype machine because there's never any stock when there's no stock available. Like the switch had the same issue when it launched. There was no stock for the switch That's when it first planned launched. by them though. They keep doing it. Nintendo are gods at doing the sort of limited release. It drives me mad because <laughs> they know that it gets people going, I have to buy it now because if I don't, it will be gone. Um, I don't think it's intentional by Xbox or Sony at this point because of what's going on in the world, but it's certainly a great way to get people to go. If I don't buy it now, I'm going to miss it. So I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to buy the Xbox now. And suddenly you've got all these impulse buyers that have got the Xbox going, like you, Skyrim, who are just like. <laughs> I don't with the really promise of Halo and Fable <laughs> coming to these, this console, right? Like, what a better situation do you have than always being out of stock? If it was in stock all the time, nobody would buy it, right? Sure, there's, yeah. there's there's no reason there's no exclusive right now coming out tomorrow or even on launch that you could say all right this is why i'm buying an xbox series x and that's the shame like i bought it like i remember it was i, I knew that it'd sell out and it's it was the fear of missing out and i wanted it because i probably knew i wouldn't be able to get it in a couple of weeks uh but it's also for me knowing that if for example fable dropped randomly one day i could just play it i could just get it instantly instead of waiting for a console so that was part of my game plan as well there was a little method behind it but no like they've done pretty well with the fear of missing that thing with the limited stock but as i have a pc as well um i can play games on there and i do prefer to play games with a a controller which the control of the xbox is i do really like it uh but you can just connect that to the pc which is what i've been doing yeah i still use this guy is that the 360? Oh, really? The wired Xbox 360 nice. controller. It was a fantastic controller. The one without the battery pack, the wired Xbox 360 controller, in my opinion, was almost perfect. Yeah, I used to love that one. Um, I will say that the other thing that I have a problem with is um, if people bought this... I can't even remember now. There's so many X's in the name of the Xbox, but the Xbox One X... On accident... <laughs> but I well, I mean, just like if you have an Xbox One X, there really isn't much going for upgrading that because honestly, all the games that are coming out that are exclusive, their generation you can play them on past generations as well. I'm pretty sure. So 100%. Halo Infinite's going to be out on Xbox One and the new Series X. So it's just like if you have an Xbox One X. Would you really upgrade? It still plays in 4K, 60 frames per second. It's still right. got the updates that they've rolled out. It's still got the same controller. You're not really missing out much. You probably have a Pro if you have the One uh, X as well, well maybe. Um, I don't see any point in upgrading. No. All right, so the um, next thing I've got here is um, what are our predictions for the Xbox Series X, the Xbox Series S, Xbox in general, how how is it going to perform this generation in our, our best guess? And will it be able to compete with Sony and Nintendo? Or are we looking at a generation where Xbox's main brand is Game Pass over a hard console? 
I think that when Xbox finally released some games for their new console, exclusively for that new console, they're going to get a boom. Yeah. Because that'll increase the fear of missing out because you can't play unless you have a console. But I feel like by that point, Sony will have will, will release games as well. And I hate to say it, but I feel like Sony may win this round just because they played this one pretty well. Yeah, I think the thing is that, I mean, the way I see it, the best way for Xbox to sell is they get more stock, hold it back until Halo Infinite or whatever they deem as their biggest selling game comes out, which is probably Halo Infinite, and release all the consoles as if it's the launch, as if like Halo Infinite was the launch game for this console, and have on it, you know, free Halo Infinite multiplayer, three months game pass, and Xbox Live service. I think coming up to Christmas of 2021, that's the best way Xbox can sell like mad. Problem is, though, Sony's going to have uh, God of War and all of the other exclusives that they've announced. So, really, it's just going to be the launch all over again coming this Christmas. So, we'll have to see them. But for now, it's so hard to tell. Uh, I just think they need Halo Infinite to really be the selling point. 100%. So, uh, what about you, Skyrim? Do you, what, what sales-wise this year? 5 million, 10 million? Oh, we're gonna pull out. We're gonna see the switch. Twenty million. I mean, with Halo coming out, it's such a gamble to make a prediction. My guess is they they push with Halo Infinite coming out. They'll probably push ten million that month. Do you think? Say, yeah, maybe ten million. I'm not sure what sales will look like in terms of uh, how previous generations have gone, but maybe ten million if uh, Halo does well, Fable, um, and any other games. that they whenever they release if they come out this year and i'm not i don't know a lot about halo infinite because i've only just got into the halo universe uh, but i know it's pretty well hyped yeah so just for, for the record just historically speaking when the nintendo switch started to lose some sales nintendo sped up the release of super smash bros ultimate to release before the end of the fiscal year they dropped it in december and they sold 10 million switches in December to finish out the year stronger than the first year the Switch released. Problem wow. is, Nintendo people are so loyal, and it's a console unlike any other. Like this is true. It's the only handheld console that can be played on a t- on a TV. Um, I think Xbox really need to market it as you can play on your phone. It's got Game Pass with it. If you buy it, you get free Xbox Live up to six months or three months or something like that. You get these games with it. They really need to go like full out. If they've got enough money to spend on Bethesda, like the seven point five billion, they've got enough to market it so it's the biggest and best console for this uh, Christmas. Well, when you're already um, selling everything out the second they drop, do you need to market yet? I think they're waiting until Halo Infinite's going to drop to do their serious marketing because then at that point in time, hopefully their stock has caught up with. Well, that's sales. what I mean. Like with more stock and with the games coming out later part of this year, I think. They need to go like full out. I know that you know, we're saying that you know, they sell out as soon as they come in stock, but with the pandemic sort of hopefully dying down and everything, and um, you know more games are coming out and more consoles are being made, I think they need to go just full on and market it to everyone. So it is the biggest console they've ever had. Um, I can't see it getting a Nintendo level 
of hype, but you never know. I don't know. There's a ton of Halo fans. It just, I guess it just depends on how many of them converted to PC. And also how many have Series uh, Xbox One X. I mean, again, still don't see the point in upgrading when they can play it in 4K 60 frames per second anyway. Um, we'll have to see if they're that low. We know, to... we know a new generation of Halo will convert older generation Halo fans to a new console. Oh, I'm sure. Especially if they have a Halo-themed Xbox come out. My goodness, can you imagine? What if they made the Xbox symbol a Master Chief helmet on the yeah. uh, button, the startup See, button? That's the stuff that will pe- get people like really invested in like Xbox. Military green a with a Master Chief helmet for the power button. People would buy that in, in droves. I remember when Halo 3 dropped and you got the collector's helmet. I was just all over that in the limited edition console. That's all I ever want. One step further here. Xbox 360 Halo 3 Edition. This is, in my opinion, the best model Xbox 360 they ever released. Yeah. Yeah. By far. I really wanted that when it dropped. I, I had one. Watched. I had to fix it every six months or it would stop working, but I had one with all the accessories. <laughs> but it's, it's things like this that I feel would bring people into it and really want to have a console. At the moment, the Series X, I don't like the design of it anyway. No, it's just making... yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. For me, the PlayStation Five looks better, and I know that it's still huge. But um, but if they can come out with like a a Halo version and make quite a few of them or something like that, I think that would be really a good selling point for making me want to get a Series X. It'd be pointless, but well, they need to make they need to make a bunch of them, but say it's limited supply. Yeah, yeah, like that's what they got to do. <laughs> That will win me over. <laughs> Pull a Nintendo. Anyways, <laughs> um, let's see here. So my prediction is, I think this year, sales-wise, they'll do at least $10 million. I don't know how much more than $10 million they'll do, but I think they'll do $10 million. I'm going to say... I'm going to be pessimistic and say, like, seven. I'm going to go eight. Oh, oh, seven million. I thought you meant seven. Yeah, total. just seven consoles. <laughs> We're very limited here in the UK, so. <laughs> Xbox Series X sales. I'm going to just find out what the 2020 sales were just for fun. See if they've got it. Let's see here. News. Uh, let's see here. Who dominated global sales? Let's see here. So what do they say? 30 million by 2023. So the market share Xbox Series X sales were almost 35%. PlayStation 5 captured 65. Holy cow, really? That's insane. I did not know that. (laughs) They're so popular. Xbox dominated the United States by a small margin. 1%, it looks like. But less than 1%. And then they beat out... They really killed it in Mexico, though. 63% of Mexico's market versus the PlayStation, which only pulled up about 37%. So it looks like in 2020, PS5 sold... Almost four and a half million, and the Xbox Series X sold two point four million. So we're in Q one of twenty twenty one. So I'd be curious to see how many sales come out. Now I do know that there was a limited supply of Xbox Series Xs, and they sold through all of them. And the reason they were more limited was because they used the better version of AMD's. Uh, was it Ryzen? Yeah. Yeah. So they had the better version, so they had to wait longer for production. So because they waited longer, and because they waited for the better version they had less opportunity to produce them. So there's that. But yeah, so I predict probably 10 million this year. So, is there anything else you want to say about this one? Uh, no, I think we covered it pretty well. 
cool. Yeah, it's just that they need to uh, up the production, but obviously with what's going on at the moment, it's so unpredictable about where it's going to stand in the future. 100%. Hopefully. Well, good luck to Xbox. As always, I'm Chris. I'm Skyrion. And I'm Wisefish. And we will see you on the next Grillcast. Bye, guys. This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. I'm Skyrion. And I'm Wisefish. Skyrion sounds so sad to be here. (laughs) (laughs) A long day. All right. (laughs) Today is Throw the Throw the Throwback Thursday. And before we get into Fable Legends, why don't you guys tell everybody about your channels? Um, I'm Skyrion and I uh, make timeline and lore videos. Um, I'm more well known for my Fable videos. But I'm trying to branch into things like Bioshock um, and like Half Life and that kind of thing. But Fable's like my passion. Uh, Absolutely, he does a great job with that. And Mr. Wisefish, how about you? Uh, yeah, well, I used to make reviews. I still do occasionally, but I've branched more out into lore videos, and I've started doing Metro, Apex, Bioshock, and Fallout. But I'm known as the Titanfall guy because <laughs> that's what everyone knows me for. So, yeah, more lore nowadays if you want to know why titanfall 2 is extremely underrated go check out wisefish's video on it if you also want to know the entire bioshock timeline skyrion's got a great three-part series on that so go check those out and if you just want to uh, watch a bunch of dudes you know shoot the crap while you're uh sitting there at your desk or whatever then check us out you know whatever all right so today for throwback thursday we're gonna be talking about fable legends a uh, game that was Famously halfway out when it got cancelled and uh, basically it shut down Lionhead. Halfway. It was essentially done. Like They could have just released it. Fair enough. So um, I'm going to give you guys some word vomit about it. And the reason we're covering it today is because we are at the essentially five years since it was cancelled point. That's when it was cancelled in uh, March of 2016. So here we go. It's been five years since the shutdown of Fable Legends was announced. And with it, the final nail in the coffin for Lionhead Studios as a Microsoft first-party studio. The game was originally revealed on August 20th, 2013, with the cancellation announced on March 7th, 2016, and the closure of Lionhead Studios following that. The shutdown of the live beta occurred a month later on April 13th, 2016. So the last time anybody has played this game was April of 2016. Fable Legends takes place several hundred years before the events of the original trilogy. It's a period of magic, folklore, and mythology, and humanity has yet to discover meaningful technology. Most people huddle in small villages, too witless and scared to venture out in the scary world about... Heroes are more common, but there is a no heroes guild in this game. Um, and the heroes must rely on each other to succeed. The story of one quest that was revealed at Gamescom told at, of an ancient artifact called the Moon on the Stick, which the children of Albion once made wishes to. The heroes in Fable Legends are on a quest to locate this artifact. So the uh, Fable Legends game was based around four heroes and a villain. Each role may be filled by a player via online multiplayer or by an AI. The same game experience was possible regardless of multiplayer or single player with four AI. All of the game's story and quests could have been played single player using AI heroes as sidekicks or enemies. It was also possible to play through the game's content as either a hero or a villain. During each quest, the four hero characters must use teamwork um, must use teamwork to succeed in their objectives while the villain player poses them with an army of creatures. The game was intended to have a 5-10 to ten year life cycle, sounds a lot like Halo Infinite, um, and to be integrated into <laughs> the cloud features. Game. 
of the Xbox One with smart glass features allowing villain players to make their plan of attack before a quest. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a synopsis of what Fable Legends was. So what we're going to talk about is what we remember about Fable Legends and some other various topics I have in the in our outline over here. So what do you guys remember about this game? I remember the reveal trailer and how it's like a couple heroes and they're going to like a play setting and thinking that was really, it was really cool. I thought it was really fable and had a, a cool like thing at the end of zooms out and you see like the villain. <laughs> um, and I didn't realize it was a live service game at first. So I, after I learned that it was going to be a single, like a traditional single player game, I was pretty disappointed, but I still stuck with them because I believed in Lionhead. So I, you know, was on the blogs, I was on the forums. I commented on stuff all the time. Um, I followed it like throughout college cause I was in college at the time. And, uh, yeah, uh, it was really cool. Um, it was definitely not what anyone really wanted, so I don't know what they were thinking when they decided to make this game. Um, but it was honestly, it was pretty fun. So I actually was in the beta, and I like I got to play as the heroes, got to play as the villain. I was terrible as the villain, but I think that's something like it took a lot of skill to actually understand like each like arena that you would actually like lay your traps for the heroes, and you had a certain amount of time to be able to do it. Um, and I think the idea of the smart class, so you could actually like design these arenas like before you jumped into a game, which would have you know made the experience a lot a lot easier. Uh, but in the sake of like not having thirty minutes be- before like between each time you're playing, <laughs> um, they had it where it's only you only had a couple minutes to lay your traps, and you had like all these different enemies, and you had a, a certain um, amount of like coins you could spend or something, some kind of currency. And, uh, yeah, it was really cool. The, the heroes are all super interesting. Uh, they had interesting, like, backstories, had interesting character designs. All the new uh, creatures that they were putting in looked great because it's an Unreal. Um, and uh, the environments looked great. I just wish it had been a traditional, you know, first-person game. Because yeah, looking at this beta footage, it looks pretty good, honestly. It does. Look at the uh, environment. There's one where they actually showcase the lighting system that they put in this game, and it was it was so revolutionary that Unreal just, um, I guess, Epic just in- integrated that into Unreal Four or or Three, whatever they're using. Um, so like games today still use the lighting system from this game. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Unreal Engine, Unreal Four was is still pretty good. I mean, yeah, I can play some games using the old Unreal engines, and they still look good today, to be honest. So it does look really good rewatching the footage now. Um, I don't remember much of it, though, honestly. I remember the trailer. um, But apart from that, the marketing was just... I don't remember anything about the game. It's like, it, it was around since, was it, 2013 to 2016? I completely forgot about it i didn't realize it was three years that it was going live for mm-hmm. um so again it was just it's a shame because i love the fable universe and everything but mm-hmm. i remember the trailer and that's about it i don't remember much else about fable legends or anything yeah i'm not gonna yeah, lie the uh, asymmetric gameplay seemed really interesting to me i like kind of like how yeah. the wii u had nintendo land and you had one person on the wii u gamepad and everybody else was kind of playing with a wiimote this is kind of a similar idea but that is on an online game unlike the wii u which was mostly local player local mm-hmm. playing game yeah. so i just find that very interesting playing as the villain against four heroes on fable would be very uh i think that'd be a cool way to play personally exactly yeah. that's what i really really liked uh, when i t- saw the trailer as well i like the idea that you could actually play as the villain and fight against your friends and like just set up all these traps and that kind of thing and just 
I think you like you could summon creatures and that kind of thing to fight them, couldn't you? And mm. that really appealed to me. Not that I liked be playing the villain, but you like being the powerful one and just beating all your friends. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and I like all the new creatures they put in. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I like the art style as well. And you can definitely see how they how the art style they've gone from Fable Three to Fable: The Journey. You can definitely see the the differences there. Yeah. So I like that. It's it's just Fable, isn't it? It looks incredible. I'm, just, I'm sorry yeah, we didn't get it's it. It's more Fable. Basically. Yeah. One hundred percent. I think it was just too far ahead of its time. Possibly. Part yeah. of it is that there's a couple of things. It was right during when. Um, you know, Microsoft still had uh, what was that guy's name? Don revealed Yeah, so they still had like that whole legacy team was still ahead, uh, like head of Xbox. Phil Spencer was actually head of Xbox Europe at this time, and he's the one that essentially doomed them. But we, we can <laughs> we can not talk about that. Um, they also didn't know what they were doing really. So no one at micro or no one at three for goodness gracious, Lionhead uh, really wanted to make this game. So they pitched Fable Four. I guess Xbox or Microsoft said no, so they started making this game instead. And they spent something like seventy or eighty million dollars on this. Jeez. And the um, creative director, I think this is also a mistake, uh, was American, and he was the I think he was the only American in the studio, and he did not understand what made a Fable game. <laughs> yeah. So I think that was a that was a huge problem, and it was something like every time they were super transparent during the process. So they had lots of interviews. They had lots of. Um, you know, developer diaries, and you can just tell that that guy stuck out like a sore thumb. <laughs> and um, he was from League of Legends, so that's like no wonder this game was being shaped like this. Um, well, that's that's guess. what I thought when I first saw it. Though I was just like, oh, it's going down the sort of MOBA route. I was yeah. like, but and I'm not into that type of game. I'm not a big fan of League of Legends. So mm-hmm. when I first saw Fable Legends, I was like, Fable Legends. League of Legends, uh, yes. it's not for me. So I just yep. completely forgot about it. Um, yeah. and now knowing that he was from League of Legends, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he wanted so he wanted like well, he and the people who like put him in place wanted the League of Legends type Fable game, and then everyone at Lionhead wanted a AAA Fable game. So you know they m- mushed that together and they end up making this like really expensive game that no one really wanted. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's the problem with um, Fable in general. Though over the years, it's just been either overpromising or just not listening fully to what the community actually want. I mean, yeah. you saw Fable One was great, mm-hmm. and then Fable Two was good, but they made so many promises that it couldn't live up to it. Mm-hmm. And then Fable Three was just. Well, lots of people hated it because of decisions. And then they're going into Fable Legends and suddenly you've got a new team coming in trying to make it something it's not. And it's just like, what is this IP anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. What do you actually want from it? Um, and I think that's probably where the downfall went for it. Now, what would you guys say if Microsoft like unearthed this thing, fixed it up a little bit, launched it on the Xbox Series X before the new Fable comes out? So I actually posted this on Twitter that I think they should release this on Game Pass and have it even be potentially the multiplayer component of the new Fable game or just its own standalone free game. I'd happily have that. Um, again, I like the, the dynamic of having uh, four people against one person. Uh, and they have, as you said, it's basically finished. So if Playground were to release this as a companion to the new Fable game, like historically, we've seen 
with Fable 2. Uh, they had the pub games come out with it. Mm-hmm. And I, I like having... I like that. You've got the main game and you've got an additional thing. But again, this is set during the, around the time of the Old Kingdom. And imagine the lore possibilities. I get excited yeah. about that. <laughs> and if it's not successful, me... they just close it down. You know, whatever. It's already, like it's finished. Why not? Exactly. I think for me, the problem is, though, is... Um... Sorry, need to interrupt, but I think the problem, like, for me, is that is anyone actually working on it though? Because they'd have to bring resources into making it when they're already probably in the new reboot of Fallout. Uh, Fallout. Mm. <laughs> My mind's elsewhere. Uh, Fable. Um, and I just think if you're suddenly trying to bring in a multiplayer element, bringing Fable Legends back, something that didn't work for three years, <laughs> when you've already got another mainline title coming out. Yeah, it's going to be a mismatch of different ideas again, and then you're going to have a fable mainline title that is it can't tell what its focus is going to be on if it's going to be the multiplayer aspect or the main story and stuff. So I don't know. I like the idea of having a multiplayer fable game, but at the same time, I don't want them pouring resources into a multiplayer that may not work like it did with. Fable Legends. Just have the people that worked on Fallout 76, you know, move on to this game, (laughs) and they can maintain this thing, put it out now in beta, and then eventually call it good. And then... That's definitely a joke. They can actually do that. They own that team now. I know, that that was my joke. (laughs) Have them them manage this game. Have them manage this game until uh, the new Fable game comes out, and then they can move on to their next project, right? But this could be a nice nice little thing to hand out to the people that love Fable until the new Fable game comes out. They don't have to have this be part of the new Fable game at all. I mean, if it's all still there and they just need to uh, sort of update some things and they've got a spare team, then why not? But yeah. I just can't see it making its way back. Really. Yeah, they just could, like they the beta, call... I mean, they had like five or six or like maps done and they had like all those arenas for those five or six maps done and they had something like seven or nine heroes already done and all the creatures were done, so... And it wasn't buggy from what I remember. Like, I, like the whole point of the beta was to report bugs. And I remember, like, I floated once, and that was it. That was the only bug I reported. <laughs> that was, that's an ability, not a bug. <laughs> yeah. They could call yeah. in uh, some some lore heavy people to help out with the uh, lore behind this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I... Maybe get some Skyrion <laughs> consulting. <laughs> um, I, I, if uh, Playground reached out to me, I would drop everything. To go to wherever they're based <laughs> and I just quit my job. No, I don't mean that if my job people are watching. <laughs> but, um, yeah, your face is on show now, so they know. Oh yeah. Um my uh my uh my, my the company I work for I've discovered that I've got a YouTube channel now, so it's it's a little uncomfortable where they bring it up. It's like, okay, please don't talk to me about it. I'd just rather keep it to myself. But yeah, they'll, they'll actually watch me just but yeah, um I'd I'd love to work on it or do a voiceover role or just anything really, just Anything Fable makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you guys, like, as far as Linehead Studios is concerned, this was essentially their last their last project before they were shut down. Uh, how do you guys feel yeah. about the legacy of Lionhead, given that? I think it's sad. Um, they started so strong. So my first Lionhead game was Fable, but I went back and played Black and White, which was incredible. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they had such a, a strong start but then it was the overpromising Peter Molyneux, uh, the Acorn thing, and you, it was just overpromising everything to the point where people just were disappointed, even though 
uh, Fable 2 is a great game. I felt like there could have been more. Fable 3, it's kind of split with the community, isn't it? People hate it, people love it. I like it, to be honest. Um, I feel like if I they had more mind. time with it, it could have been better. But it didn't help that there was someone behind the scenes saying, oh, you're going to get this, oh, you're going to get that, and then you don't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but And after that, it just went downhill, didn't it? Um, yeah, it's just it's a it's just a sad it's a sad table. Of <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Fair enough. I think yeah. it's um, uh, I I don't know I, I we look back at rose with rose tinted glasses at Lionhead, but they I think they had a couple of good games, but overall as a studio, they had so much chance to make a really fantastic game. I don't feel like they ever really got... Well, I, I really liked Fable 1. I think that was mm-hmm. their peak. But then they never really were able to capture that same essence. Um, so it's a shame they went, but I think, honestly, Peter Molyneux has to put his hands up and be like, yeah, that was that's my fault, saying the dog could do anything he wants. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's sad to see them go, but I think it's understandable, to be honest. And the dog can do whatever it wants within the bounds of what they programmed it to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he didn't speak to the programmer when he talked about that. So they were like, he wants us to get him an actual dog. Like, Fair enough. I, I, I equate this to kind of like the fall of Ensemble Studios. Like they had some really great games. And then over time, they kind of like reduce, reduce, reduce. And then due to their influence by Microsoft, they got closed down. Like Because Ensemble yeah. Studios did the Age of Empires franchises, they did Age of Anthology, and then they ended on a game that they didn't necessarily want to make, which was Halo Wars. So, Yeah. Well, yeah I the think problem it... with big studios is they get you working on things that you may not actually want to do, or the mm-hmm. people you've hired don't know how to work on that game. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think it's like, I was watching a video, there's a YouTuber I just came across, Steve of War. He's got maybe 7,000 subscribers, and his oh, his videos are incredible. So I binged them all uh, while I was working from home. Um, yes, and he, he does these uh, lookouts at uh, the two Raider games. I think it was two Raider Legends where they hired a writer for it, and he was a self-confessed person that didn't like uh, that genre. I'm sure it was that. Um, Which video are you talking about? I think it's the two Raider Legends one. Oh, it's like when uh, they formed three four three and they said they Angel got Death, people who hated Halo. Angel of Death, um, or whichever one it was, but there was one of them where the person just didn't like that genre, and uh, it just didn't work. They brought someone in because of their credentials, and it didn't work. I'm sure it was one of the two mid games. I'm yeah. second guessing myself now. <laughs> but but Angel of Death is seen as like the worst two mid game. Yeah, it makes sense. Let's see here. Yeah. Well, speaking of the overpromising though, with Peter Molyneux. He also, like, I think, he just overpromised Microsoft. So, I th- so I think that like part of it was he needed to stand up for the studio. Like the Fable Three, I, I think, is definitely the lowest in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, they've turned it out in what, two years. What he needed to do as the head of the studio is be like, I need more time. The team needs needs more time to make a better game. And yeah. I feel like he probably was like, you know, Fable Two made a ton of money. He's like, we can make another one two years, no problem. We can be a yearly franchise like Call of Duty. But isn't it a much smaller Actually, studio? Or wasn't it a, a much smaller studio than? I mean, they didn't have Activision. You know, it wasn't like the full force of Call of Duty behind Fable. It doesn't mean they didn't try. But, but also, Call of Duty has three studios that do it 
yearly, so it's not like it's the same studio hey, every year, right? They never yes, work. I, I understand how it works with Call of Duty. <laughs> I'm saying that they're they're he's overpromising this, and that's why that fails. <laughs> makes sense. That makes sense. You could say the same about Fallout 76. I mean, look at what they promised. Look at the team they actually put into it, and then you look at the final product, and you just like you over again. You you needed more time for this product because it's not going to be ready in two years mm-hmm. after or whatever it was, three years after Fallout 4, which had problems anyway. Um, so again, it's just like over-expecting this game to be fantastic and then don't realize the limitations. But then you can look at No Man's Sky, and you've got Internet Historian even talking about how much better of a game this has gotten to be oh, over fantastic. the years. You know what I mean? Like it, it, Just because a game is bad at launch, if a studio... Pro- like. Even if you overpromise and underdeliver, a, a beta can turn into a good game. The problem is the same thing we have with uh, what was it? Uh, uh, the guy from Nintendo. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, my Miyamoto says a good a good game can be delayed, but a bad game is always bad. Yeah, right? but then you look at Cyberpunk's launch and you sort of throw that out the window and just say, you know what? <laughs> it's just down to the studio. Um, what did they just give up with that completely after it launched? No, they still have a plan for more updates. Still I thought. Going. But they the problem is they're in lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit of over-promising and under-delivering. Also, they got hacked. So they that, got hacked, too. Yeah. Source yeah. code didn't help. I, I, you know, it's like the expansions and everything for the fixes, but I mean... I, I still have quiet. not had any glitches with my playthrough of Cyberpunk. You didn't have any? Did you None. PS4 Pro, no glitches. I, I had a few funny ones, and they made my experience, but... Oh, and I had no game breaking ones. No, I will. I will say though, I didn't start playing it until patch one, so that could be why. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Anyways, as far as uh, Fable goes, though, since Legends has been canceled, we now have Playground Games doing the new Fable game. So, as far as that game goes, where do you guys see this? Is going to be a single player experience? Are yes. there going to be multiplayer yeah. aspects to it? What do you guys think? They might try to put in a, a, a co-op mode like Fable 3 or 2 had, but I don't think they're going to... I don't think they're going to make the same mistake twice. And maybe that's being too hopeful, but um, I think they know that the fans want a single-player experience. Xbox desperately needs single-player RPG experiences. This is going to be the big first showcase of like a new studio making a new game. So... Um, yeah, it needs to be single player uh, with couch co-op op- optional, obviously. Mm, please, um, that was one of the best parts of Fable Two. Uh, making bad choices with someone you like, uh, just running <laughs> yeah. around killing people or doing good deeds <laughs> too, wherever they were. I think it's an odd one that choosing playground because all they've made is the Forza, the Forza games. Yeah, and it's just like, are they able to make a RPG mm. system in the? Fable I don't world. know. That's what I'm, I'm cautiously hoping. Just worries me. <laughs> no, but they've only done Fable Horizon. They haven't done, or not Fable Horizon. Uh, Forza Horizon. <laughs> Fable Horizon. That would be yeah, great. That's that's the spinoff right there. Race race cars in Fable Universe. That'd be hilarious. Anyways, um, can you imagine you're you're going down a dirt road with one of the Forza Horizon cars? <laughs> yeah, it's still roll. That'd be great. Anyway, uh, back to what I was saying though. Like they've done Forza Horizon, not the standard. Your your other Forza games. They've only done Forza Horizon games, and they've been extremely mm. successful with those. It's considered one of the most... It's a completely different genre, though. Like, I understand that like, the Forza Horizon games are really fun. Um, I'm just hoping that they're just, like, 
they're British. They can do this. <laughs> yeah. Well, fingers crossed. <laughs> Represent us. <laughs> well, enough. you know, it's one of those things. Like, I'm really glad that they kept it in in Britain, but I don't know. Um, like, what are there any other studios that would be capable of taking that on there? I th- well, we've got a lot. We've got a load of. I know there's a lot, but is there one big enough to do it? I guess is my question. Not one that's specialized in RPGs or something like that in the or knows or gameplay elements similar to Fable. I don't know of any other than Rockstar, but they wouldn't do it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know. I'd have to you'd have to search around really. But I just find it odd that one that's made racing games is to yeah. be put on. I thought they're going to give it to Rare, to be honest. You know, I am curious, right? I'm curious what other games, if Playground Games has done anything else. No, it's, so. it's not. It's literally just Forza Horizon since 2012. Well, let's see. Let's see if they got anything else on their... On their... I know they're making like an entire new team, so it's it will be like an RPG team, but I don't I don't know. It was a weird choice. Yeah, literally only Forza. That's it. Yep. You're right. Well, I'm still hopeful that it's a good yeah. game. I just worry when it's a new studio who have specialized in other things. Mm-hmm. May not quite get it on the first attempt, but you know. yeah, they don't have. I don't think they're bringing back any of the Fable veterans either, which is a little worrisome to me as well. Mm-hmm. We have to see a gameplay trailer because at the moment it's mm-hmm. all glitz and glam. It looks amazing, and I'm exactly. excited for it. But all we can do time. is speculate. Uh, but just with any game announcement, I'll always go in positive, and then yeah. when they announce more things, then. I don't know. I'm a pot, I'm a half glass full kind of guy where I look for the positives even in a negative situation. So oh, I'm yeah, hopeful. Way around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to buy the game. So. Oh yeah, I'm going to buy it. Waste on games. So. so. Out of principle, I haven't been waiting so long for a Fable game. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Now I'm curious who this Ralph Fulton guy is because he's the one that's uh, the game director essentially. Wonder if he's done anything else. They have a, a level designer from Grand Theft Auto Five. He's the chief. Yeah, they're writing a lot table. of interesting and talented people for this. Uh, I will admit, they're definitely spending a lot of money on this game. Oh, they got the so guy from in, uh, uh, Hellblade. Yeah, a guy from Borderlands. They brought in the the writer for um, Arkham Knight. The Last yeah. of Us Two, I think. No, Arkham Knight. Most of the Batman Arkham Knight script writing team are working on the new Fable. Yeah, but the actual like lead director of story or whatever the title is. Okay. Um, uh, Craig Owens, Rocksteady Craig Owens, uh, Ubi- a pair of Ubisoft veterans for character and environmental art, uh, Ghost like Recon a- Division 2 people. So they got like a big team for this game. Division mm-hmm. 2? Oh no, what's that for? <laughs> and environment artists. Fable Legends. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think Division games look nice, but the games suck. Okay, last question. <laughs> what are you guys going to do when the first article pops up and it's an interview with Peter Molyneux they brought him back for... Oh, Christ. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things, like, I would be excited, but also not excited at the same time. It's like, I, I love Peter, but I also hate him. Depends what he says. I, oh, I take whatever he says and then cut it in half and then take that. Because I know... <laughs> we, we know what to expect from Peter. He, It's... He gets so excited about his own games, and that's a great thing. But as a consumer, it's not great when he overhypes it. So just take half of what he says and just take that. And then the rest can be a bonus if he comes through. Yes. There you go. And if if he comes out and says the game is going to be absolutely awful, then get your pre-orders in because it's going to be fantastic. 
Season Imagine. That would be genius marketing if Peter Molyneux says how bad the game's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like that would be the game of the year. He would be in on the meme then. There you go. Alright guys, anything else you want to say about Fable Legends? Hopefully you don't hear that. I bet you do though. Well I can. Yep. <laughs> We're trying to break down the doors to get the new Fable game. No. It's Peter Molyneux. As always, I'm Chris. And I'm Will, and my wife's hammering the wall next to me. <laughs> I'm Skyrion. I'm Wisefish. And we will see you on the next broadcast. Bye, guys. Bye, Bye. guys. This is the Krillcast. I am Chris. I'm Skyrion. And I'm Wisefish. And uh, before we get into is Game Pass good for gaming or bad for gaming, which is a uh, much better title than the one I have as the clickbait on the thumbnail. But uh, what do you guys do on your channels? Oh, me. Okay, so I'm Scarion, and I make timeline and lore videos. Um, I did a three-part Bioshock, which took over a year to put together. Um, I also cover Fable lore, which is what I'm well more known for. Um, I also stream on Twitch, and yeah, that's what I do. Absolutely. Go subscribe to Skyrion if you haven't already. Definitely do that. Mr. Wisefish, uh, what you do? Uh, I'm Wisefish, and uh, I started off making review videos for games, but I've uh, branched out into lore videos with the Metro series, Apex and Titanfall, Bioshock, and recently Fallout. But um, I'm doing some more in the future. And I also stream on Twitch weekly. And he's got a Wise Fish Clips channel, but I have no idea what's on. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I keep forgetting to upload. I What's posted my good subs, so yeah, I'm losing people daily. So, so I posted my good, bad, and meme worthy moments. Oh, okay, so this is like a highlights from the stuff you didn't put in the videos. Uh, yeah, from my uh, streams and stuff, I just get the best bits and stick them in there. Makes if sense. There are. And uh, just for your guys' own record, if you've forgotten why you're subscribed to this channel, this is the Krillcast. I'm the uh, main host with Will being my co-host. And uh, we've done a lot of cool interviews, including an interview with Skyrion and with Mr. Wisefish. Go check that out. I accidentally clicked on Wow Such Gaming's interview, which uh, if you've watched that one, he robots hardcore in the middle (laughs) of it. And we don't know why that happened, but hopefully when we get him back on in the future, it won't happen again. So today we're going to be talking about, is Game Pass good or bad for gaming? So... I'm going to let one, why don't we talk about what's good about Game Pass and then what's bad about Game Pass and whether it's good long-term. So what's good about Game Pass in your opinions? Um, So I love Game Pass. I'm a big advocate for it. It's, uh, I think it's, I don't even know how much it is a month now. I know it's risen since um, they acquired EA or maybe I just upgraded to the Ultimate anyway. (laughs) But you you get Xbox Live out of it. You get a huge catalog of games. That's how I'm playing through Ori in the Blind Forest, how I went through the Dead Space games, uh, another game, Kona. It's not just about the games that you get access for free. It's the catalog of games you can just scroll through as well to play a game that you've never played before. Uh, so I've played it. I've had it since it came out, and I wouldn't get rid of it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fantastic. It means you can play new games as soon as they come out without having to fork out 60, 70 pounds or dollars uh, it's you've got a wide catalogue of games like you said Skyrim where you 
you know, you may not have ever seen that game before, but it catches your interest. And you're like, oh, I'll give it yeah. a go. And suddenly it could be like your favorite game of all time. Um, I mean, we've got a Series S in our living room. My wife was just scrolling through it and uh, started playing Wild Hunt, and she's completed that. And she's going through it again because she liked it so much. Uh, Witcher 3 is uh, my favorite game as well. So I was very happy about that. Um, so, yeah, it's fantastic. You just get to play games uh, for a, a little bit a month. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's really good for the ecosystem of Xbox. Yeah, I think it, it lowers the risk to trying new stuff, especially when the catalog is ever expanding. It's like there are some games in Game Pass that I would never have thought to go buy. But I do think it's curated pretty well, too, because they try to stick to the mainstream stuff. And um, I mean, I'm going to talk about why there's a con later, but as, essentially not con as in like we're conning you, but like a con is in like a, <laughs> also a bad point, a counterpoint to what I'm saying. But a, a well curated ecosystem of games that I can play, like essentially the Netflix of gaming is something I always said would be a great business strategy. I just wasn't mm-hmm. sure how to make it marketable a and how to maintain it. Netflix has had a hard time going through the years where things have come on and off of their platform. And I think Microsoft is going to see some similar things in the future based on whether people are playing the EA games or the rumored Ubisoft games being added to the system. Um, yeah. I'd be curious yeah. to see how they curate that system going forward. And, and will it be a based on a player um, count, whether it stays on or not? And will third parties reevaluate being on Game Pass based on the number of players playing their games? For example, let's say EA has Titanfall on there and they find out that Titanfall's player base has grown to like six times what it was. Will they want to stay on there? Or will they say, hey, one month from now we're pulling it, but if you buy it now before it leaves Game Pass, you get like a 50% discount, you know, that kind of a thing. So now people are invested in the game. EA can pull it off of Game Pass, recoup a bunch of money, and then never put it back on Game Pass. You know, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. It seems like there's some benefits for companies being on there. Um but overall, I like the service. And if you go on eBay and you buy secondhand codes that haven't been used yet, you can get Game Pass for far less than $15 a month. All right. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's how uh, I keep... Always check, though. <laughs> yeah. I've had I've had uh, pretty good luck with it so far. I've managed to get Game Pass for less than, like, 6 bucks a month. That's pretty damn good. Also, you get the thing that we're watching right now, which is the cloud gaming, where you can play on the go on your, fa- on your phone or tablet. And, I mean no one's really done that before so that's, that's a fantastic rest oh i forgot about that <laughs> amazon yeah. i'm dead on arrival <laughs> Ooh, ps <okay>. now <laughs> the first true cloud gaming platform yeah just never went the full way but um <laughs> cloud gaming's on your phone to play like halo i mean i played it back when it was in the the very early beta is that it now <laughs> This is uh, uh, one cast. It's it's basically xCloud, but it only works if you have an Xbox already. So like, oh, right. I can boot this thing up and play any Xbox game on my phone. And uh, unlike the official Xbox app, you don't have to have a controller in it plugged into this. This will actually play with on-screen controls. I don't know if Microsoft's going to let them exist much longer. They'll probably shut the API off for the one cast app. But I actually really like this one quite a bit. Yeah. I like it better um, than the official Xbox xCloud app currently. Uh, not xCloud, Xbox um, game streaming app, whatever it's called, because yeah. it is literally just a streaming app versus the um, official app, which is like a ton of other stuff baked into it. This is only for game streaming. It's called OneCast. I quite oh, enjoy awesome. it. And there was a Sony version too, as our play. Um, 
our play was better than Sony streaming app because I didn't have to be on Wi-Fi to use it. The official <laughs> Sony one requires Wi-Fi, and you have to be on the same Wi-Fi as the console you're playing on, whereas the our play allows you to remote play from anywhere using a cell phone connection. So I'm not going to get into the details on that, but Sony, you messed up. And Microsoft, I wish you'd build a strictly game streaming app like X, although xCloud was what their plan was and they didn't get it because of Apple reasons, but that's a whole different story. Oh, don't, don't. <laughs> I will say, although Xbox Game Pass was not the first true Netflix of gaming service, PS Now was really kind of the first one. Um, they're kind of the most prominent and they built that by having an extremely robust catalog of games mm. um, that basically Sony just couldn't keep up with, couldn't compete with. And so they are the main game streaming game, Netflix style service out there. And I think Microsoft yeah. er- earned a lot of um, uh, their reputation precedes them. There is a really good service. And there's a reason why people are willing to subscribe to it more and more every day. They've right. invested so much in building this like community focused thing, like ecosystem. And it's paying off because they it looks like they're listening to the players. So if I mean they've they've done things online. I think they made a um I think it was Xbox made a tweet or one point said we're gonna do this. I think it was the Xbox Live. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they were gonna increase people it. were just like Yeah, yeah, they were gonna increase the price and people were like, No, why are you doing that? It's forcing people to do and they went, Okay, we're listening, we're not gonna do that. <laughs> and that's helped build up this Game Pass is a really player-friendly experience exactly and yeah it's really helped their reputation anyway and on top of that when they went back on increasing the cost and to be, to be entirely fair xbox live gold like what would you be like what would you have if you just had xbox live gold well you just have the ability to play online right so there's no real point to having xbox live gold nowadays when game pass is not that much more but the fact that they were they increased that price for no good reason. I yeah. mean, they deserved all of the backlash they got. And they only increased the annual price. The monthly price has always been $9.99. The three-month price has always been, I think it's like $30 or something. If you, I don't even know if they still have that tier, but they used to have a three-month tier where you pay every three months. And then the yearly was 60 So it was like 15 30 $10, 30 60 or $10, 25 60 for... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was 25 because you got a slight discount for buying three months at a time. And then the year was really where you got the big discount, where you got essentially paid half the price of what the monthly cost would have been. So the increases yeah. to 120, which was just essentially, okay, now you're just paying the monthly price, but you're paying it at a yearly rate kind of a thing. So, yeah, they just basically made the monthly and the yearly the same price. No discount yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, it was, a, it was a bad move from their team. Very surprising, considering everything else they, they were right. saying before. Yeah, now, a sudden U-turn. The, biggest, the way they responded to it was brilliant. Yeah, the biggest thing they did was they took away Xbox Live Gold requirement to do um, online play that doesn't even use Xbox Live Gold uh, and free-to-play, free-to-play games. Free-to-play games, so like, yeah. I know Fortnite's not on the Xbox 360, but if it was, now you wouldn't have to pay Xbox Live uh, or you wouldn't have to pay for Xbox Live to play Fortnite on the Xbox 360 or the Xbox One. Uh, PUBG, I believe PUBG is a free-to-play game, and it would be free to play online without Xbox Live Gold uh, mm-hmm. subscription. So they they added that tier now, like where essentially if you have a silver membership and you're playing a free-to-play game, you don't have to pay Xbox Live Gold to play that online. 
It was about time, though. I mean, I feel like they lost so many, um, maybe younger audiences because of it. Because PlayStation had it for so long that you mm-hmm. could just play free-to-play games without having to subscribe or anything like that. Right. And Xbox was so slow to catch up with it. And I feel like you look at the people who use PlayStations and they play like Fortnite and stuff, and you think you could have won those people over if you had that much earlier. Maybe I don't. I don't know, but I feel like it was. It should have happened a long time ago. So it's it's good they finally did it. So now we've kind of talked about all the good things in regards to Game Pass. What are some things that you guys see as potentially bad for the gaming industry on Game Pass? Do you want to go first, Scarrow? Uh, I'd, I'd just say the only negative thing would be in microtransactions, but... In the games I've played on Game Pass, like Ori in the Blind Forest and Kona, uh, even Sea of Thieves, um, microtransactions have only I've seen on Sea of Thieves, but they're just an optional feature that don't affect the game at all because it's all cosmetic items. So yeah. People pull the argument about microtransactions, but they're there if you want them. Uh, and if you don't want them, then don't buy them. But the problem is they've also got the battle pass tied in with it now, mm-hmm. which I was really annoyed by because I was just like, don't need another battle pass. Like, um, but that's a different topic. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a big fan of the battle pass system. Uh, um, but I just, I just feel like, you know, a game's struggling a little bit when you're having to add these other elements like paid for cosmetics as well as a paid for battle pass. And then microtransactions to help speed up that battle pass. It kind of gets worrying that it's just like, why am I playing this game? So <laughs> if I'm just going to have to keep buying things. My biggest worry with Game Pass is um, it's going to kind of slow down development overall in the industry. And I think long term, I think short term is great because you're going to be getting lots of games day one. You're going to see developers putting their games on Game Pass day one. Um, we're going to get to try games we never would have tried otherwise. Like, I imagine Battletoads would not be nearly as highly played without being on Game Pass, even despite the popularity of Battletoads, especially with the memes. But um, overall, I think long-term, the strategy is going to be you have to win Game Pass. So you, you're you going to be launching your games spread out over the year, right? Like Nintendo does. They, they launch their IPs kind of spread out. But you're going to see your internal studios on Game Pass competing now. So, for example, let's say Halo and Doom. One's going to come out in January. One's going to come out in in December or or November, whatever time frame, a different month on purpose. So they don't compete with each other. And then long term, let's say Doom doesn't do as well as Halo, which who knows. But um, is Doom going to exist forever? Or is Microsoft just going to keep it in their catalog and then shut down id software? right yeah is, is ea going to become a game pass exclusive thing and then ea is going to be shutting down studios left and right because they make money off the service it, it when you're making money on a service you don't have to release new things as long as the service is worth it to the consumer so every time a game starts to perform poorly it gets removed from game pass that studio might no longer be take, raking in the revenue maybe that studio shuts down or let's say bethesda studios start getting they start weaning it back like okay you guys have released three games. They haven't done well. Let's shut down this studio, Bethesda. This this studio of Bethesda, right? Zenimax. This is Zenimax Studio. I think long term, yeah. they're going to be trimming, quote unquote, the fat consistently year on year basis. And it's going to yeah. end up 
with an industry that only makes mainstream games and people are only going to buy things like game pass so what's the incentive to release an independent game on the xbox there isn't one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think that that's, that's that's certainly one thing that i keep thinking of is just game pass is great for the consumer like you know it's a straight right upfront payment it's yeah. good right and then now. you can play game after game after game after game all you want you can complete like five games within a month and you've saved yourself like 300 dollars or pounds right and you've only paid 11.99 a month and then you can cancel it my worry is that all the games that are coming out that are exclusive or they've got game pass in mind they're going to become like live services and it's my biggest worry for something like halo for example like they keep saying oh, it's, it's 10 years and you just think 10 years you know destiny announced itself as 10 years and then it was just like you know fixing things along it went uh fallout 76 is another example of something that's just like quick get it out there get people playing it get the money in um and then we'll update as we go along i worry that whilst it's great that we can just pick up a game on game pass that a lot of these studios are just going to go get a live service game going yeah. and then we'll update it as we go along and then the monthly fees we get from people's game passes will help keep pumping that back into the game instead of like a one-off payment for the game and it's done. But we're not seeing that in games anymore. It's all live service. Really. You almost have to incentivize people to keep coming back to the game so that it stay, stays yeah. relevant on Game Pass. So yeah. then that encourages live service games. Exactly. Where it's just like, every, you know, why is this person paying eleven ninety nine a month if they've just stopped playing these games? So we've got to keep adding things. And MCC is a prime example of they've added things. It's sort of a live service, and luckily it's free. Um, but it's a sign of what's things to come, in my opinion, for Halo Infinite and stuff. Fable Legends confirmed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, um, is there anything else you guys want to say about Game Pass long-term, good or bad? Um, again, I like the service. I'm hoping it stick stays the way it is. Um, I look forward to uh, Fable coming out on it and other games, but I'm it's it's a good service at the moment. It's just if they start raising the price, or if, as Wisefish said, they just release games half assed and then they, fix it, they go, yep, it's uh not great. Like back when I was growing up, games like I know Banjo Kazooie for the Nintendo 64, or uh, these games were ready when they came out. I don't think I ever came across a bug playing a game like that, or Pokemon Stadium for the Nintendo 64, or and I'm trying to think like Croc Legends of the Gobos. Hey, uh, I'll be right back. One second, sorry guys. Oh. One second. Anyways, so as far as Game Pass goes, Skyran, I'm sorry I cut you off. I uh, didn't mean to. My bad. Um, but oh, that's okay. essentially what you, I agree with everything you were saying, um, game, game, pass is, was saying. game pass is great <laughs> right now. Having games they want on game pass is great for the, for the consumer for sure. Um, and I think you were getting ready to share some of your concerns of what it could be going forward. Oh yeah. If they, because I still don't understand how it makes money apart from microtransactions, there must be some other things behind the scenes, but if we start seeing advertisements, in video games or uh, you know how mobile mobile games have advertisements if microsoft somehow incorporate that or with youtubers we make money by people watching our videos because they're advertisements in the beginning of the videos 
I'm hoping that Microsoft doesn't implement stuff like that, and I fear that they will somehow. I See, agree. I think I think it just doesn't cost them any money to leave games on the service. Like, if it's a first-party developer, that might even be why Bethesda was an acquisition, was because they have the back catalog of games. And being able to... I, I guess the... the the value there for the consumer is like you have this giant catalog of games, right? And the more of these games that are Microsoft first parties, the less money it costs Microsoft to just leave an old game on the service without doing anything to it. It's like other yeah. than making these games backwards compatible, what cost is there to, for Microsoft to have, let's say, Oblivion or Morrowind or the Master? Well, Master Chief Collection is a different story at this point, but halo 5 they're not doing anything with halo 5 really um halo wars they're doing nothing with those games does it cost them anything to leave them on the service uh, no but it's value I, proposition for the consumer i think it's i mean those that makes sense but i think the problem is with the newer games like we know yes. that halo infinite has had a huge budget whether it's 500 million dollars <laughs> or more or i'd imagine it's more now that they've had to change some things up since july and postpone it with stockholders being a bit aggy about it and stuff like that but um how do they make money back from that they've got the free multiplayer we know that and it's clear that the customization is going to be tied to microtransactions and i think that's the worry is the newer games like bethesda titles like uh, elder scrolls online like that's big money makers because of their monthly costs on top of that is that going to be part of game pass as well um so i think it's just the newer titles that are coming out it's just like how do you get the money back from making that title and the only way i see it is microtransactions and battle passes hopefully <laughs> not advertisements that would be just absolutely awful <laughs> pull the awful. ea route yeah it's just like I don't know, sponsor, uh, brand sponsors in the game and stuff like that. Master Chief like, has um... Nike shoes. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, was it uh, oh, Kojima's game? I can't remember what it's called. Death Stranding. The one where you walk Death Stranding had the Mountain Dew, or was it the Monster Energy drink? <laughs> so, oh, really? we're entering a new era of uh, in-game place, like product placements and stuff. So, maybe that's how they make the money. I don't know. I feel like if it was a game like a new GTA, then it'd work because they fit into that world. But yeah, as you said, yeah, yeah. Nike, and then Mike, Master Chief's wearing Nike trainers, then. <laughs> <laughs> no. But that's where like the the microtransaction skins come in. Like you could have a, for some reason, I'm a Mountain Dew gun skin for five dollars or something like that. It's something that just ruins the credibility of the game, but also <laughs> people will buy it just to for the memes and stuff but then that's how they get their money so i don't know yeah i think the way i see it is yeah there'll be live services but but the fact of the matter is they're also selling physical copies of halo right there's physical copies of halo they'll be selling digital copies of halo it'll drive mm. people to game pass I, I i don't see how unless halo crashes and burns hardcore like <laughs> cyberpunk did i don't see how microsoft doesn't make at least break even with halo it, I think it, it'll never be a franchise that undersells. I feel Cyberpunk now is that cautionary tale for studios not to release a game. And they I don't get it because they push back so many times their release date. And then they released a game that wasn't really finished and they, they were aware of the issues. Well, the and... thing is that a lot of people keep saying, oh, it was six or 
eight, nine years in development. But the thing is, it wasn't. It started in 2016. So right. it didn't really have that long. Um, Not for how big of a, a game, how much of a blockbuster it was supposed for to be. How much, yeah, for the ambition that they went with, it really wasn't that long. Um, but yeah, that's it. <laughs> it set the bar. But even even still, with the refunds that it's had to give and, to give out in the lawsuits, it still made an absolute profit like mad. <laughs> really? I'm not saying that's a good thing because of how broken it was for PlayStation. You know, I, I will say this, you know, if games release on Game Pass kind of broken, people will forgive those studios. But if they release it at $60 and not mm-hmm. on Game Pass, I think that people are less likely to forgive it. Like, for example, yeah. No Man's Sky. That game took a very long time to turn people's opinions if that had launched yep. on Game Pass, it might have had a better shot initially because nobody was paying $60 right out the gate for it. Like, you'd download it, you'd try it, you'd be like, oh, this isn't for me, and then you'd let it cook in the oven for a while on Game Pass, and eventually, when it's a good game, you'd re-download it. And Game Pass yeah. is nice because you can take risks like that. But I do worry that games like No Man's Sky are less likely to come out because they would not sell game pass and they would not do well long term on game pass because they were bad in the beginning so microsoft just wouldn't even take a risk putting it on game pass at all yeah i mean that's that's where i see good and bad with game pass and i think for the industry it will trim fat from microsoft's uh platform and overall it will probably lead to less games as opposed to more games yeah i personally think for indie games and lesser known ips it's fantastic. I mean, Battletoads, for example, yeah, it had the memes. I had no real want to play it when I saw the trailer for it. But when it came out and it was on Battle Pass, I was like, yeah, I'll give this, give this a go. And I actually really enjoyed it. And I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much if I spent 50 quid on it. Um, mm. And I think games like that benefit from Battle Pass. I think, you know, Battletoads wouldn't have had the player base it had if it wasn't for Battle Pass, it's the bigger titles that worry me. It's um, it's the Halos, it's the the Gears, um, because it's just like, yeah, uh, you know, it'd be great to play it on day one, but what does this mean for the long term of the game? Is it going to be a live service? Is it going to have Battle Passes, skins to buy, and stuff like that? And I know it's just cosmetics for most people, but. Uh, I, I just think the principle behind it, it's like, I, I, I just don't agree with microtransactions at the end of the day. Mm. Yep. Anything else? Uh, oh, not really. Not me. No, that's it. <laughs> well, I just want to say I appreciate you guys' time. I'm sorry that we had so many ins and outs throughout this process. <laughs> oh, it's been good. It's been yeah. good. <laughs> and, uh, if you guys haven't already, make sure you guys subscribe to Skyrion and Wise Fish. They do fantastic content, and it's the reason why we keep trying to bring them back on here as much as we can. So, thank you guys. Thank, thank you. you. And uh, as always, I'm Chris. I'm Skyrion. I'm Wise Fish. And Will is somewhere. I may be able to find him again. Nope, I don't know where he's at. I think I deleted the picture. It's all good. <laughs> Will was here. He's not here. Um, so. We will see you all on the next Krillcast. Bye, guys.